In this episode, I want to talk about dog drool, idolatry, and why you might be struggling to follow Jesus Christ. It's really not as weird as it sounds. You're listening to Onward in the Faith with Ray Burns. Ray is dedicated to equipping Christians to understand why they believe what they believe so that they can keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And make sure you visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. Now here's Ray with today's topic. I really enjoy listening to people share how they came to Jesus Christ, how he finally brought them to that point where they were awakened to the reality that Christ isn't just who they need, it's he's really all there is. You know, everyone has this story where, you know, whether they were saved at five or whether they were saved much later in life, what I really enjoy is that when you listen to salvation stories, everyone kind of, they have very different paths the, the lives that they lead, the beliefs they had, the worldview that shaped them, they all take different paths, but those last steps to the cross are always very similar. And I'm not saying it's always, but what I often notice is that regardless of how Christ brings us to our knees, we all hit that point where we are tired. We are tired of you know trying to earn salvation or earn our goodness or prove ourselves. You know, that was my testimony is that I spent 18 years of my life basically trying to be the good person, to walk the walk, to say the right things, and basically putting my salvation in my own hands and and putting my righteousness up to my actions. You know, I had a very works-based, legalistic style of understanding of who I was as a person. And so I just finally hit this point where I was just exhausted. And that's where I found myself at the foot of the cross. Other people find themselves tired of, you know, trying to find satisfaction and contentment in relationships. Others may find it in partying or trying to just, you know, understand the universe apart from a good and perfect God who created it all. You know, and even little kids, you know, they they realize that they aren't good enough and they may not have a lifetime of struggle behind them, you know, like a lot of us, you know, have, you know, decades, you know, but even a kid saved at five just understands that what they've been doing isn't good. It's not enough, you know, so, you know, no matter how long you've been a sinner, you realize that sin just isn't satisfying. Whatever you've been doing in your life before being renewed by the Holy Spirit and given Christ's righteousness in exchange for our filthy rags Everything up to that point, we all just, I think, get to that point of tiredness and exhaustion and frustration of realizing that what we're doing just isn't working. It's frustrating. It's it's always disappointing. And we realize that we've been doing it our own way. And it's, it's just not good enough. No matter how happy we're supposed to be based on what we see in the world, no matter what we see on commercials and ads or what our friends are doing, all this stuff that we're trying just isn't enough. And so that's where a lot of us find ourselves at the feet of Christ, begging him, please, Christ, I can't do it on my own. I can't earn salvation. I realize I'm a sinner and that you were perfect and you took my sins on yourself. You know, we all hit that point and it's, it's amazing and it's beautiful. And like I said, I love hearing those stories because no matter how different we all are, all of us find ourselves realizing that 
we were trying to find satisfaction in something else that constantly failed until we found Christ or until Christ found us, I should say. And, you know, we may not realize it at the time, but as we study more of God's word, as we kind of understand the things that happened in the Old Testament and the kind of the warnings we receive in the New Testament, we realize that a lot of our struggles as human beings and as Christians boils down to idolatry. Because we often think, as you read the Old Testament, oh, idolatry is just having statues or carved images or things like that. And contextually, that's often what their idolatry was, because this was people who lived in a very supernatural worldview, and so they believed that all these gods existed, and that by having a carved image, it would give you some kind of access to these gods that you thought were real. You know, and that's why God, you know, oftentimes often laughs at what these people are doing because he says, you know, you have to create these things that you think are going to save you. And it's ridiculous. And so, you know, we as Christians to in the year 2020, we look back and be like, oh, those poor people, they were so misguided. I'm so above idolatry. But what we don't realize is that idolatry, you know, often just boils down to nothing more than that thing that's going to save us, that thing that's going to bring us satisfaction. And so the more we like I said, study God's word, we realize that we're all guilty of idolatry, that all of us were trusting in idols in some form or another. We were trusting in something to save us from unhappiness or from misery or from failure, you know, whether it was, you know, drugs or money or success or even our own goodness. You know, we were all building up a false God in our lives and trusting that to save us and trusting that to satisfy us. And like I said, we all find ourselves surrounded by these broken, failed idols, and we look to the cross and realize Christ is all there is, because Christ is the only thing that can't fail us. And yet, despite that, even today, no matter how long you've been a Christian, there's still that struggle we have with idolatry. You know, John Calvin is famous for saying that our hearts are idol factories. You know, we just crank those things out on a daily basis. We are very good at finding something else to worship other than our God, you know, and in Colossians 3, 5, you know, that's why it says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So, you know, all these things that we look to, to satisfy us, to bring us comfort, to bring us happiness, to help us escape from depression or misery or sadness or anxiety, whatever it is, all these things that we turn to to save us ultimately are just idols because we are turning to them instead of our holy God who sent his son to rescue us. And we are trusting these things that we already know fail us, but we still do it. And so the more we understand that, the more we can understand why God doesn't want us to get involved in idolatry in any way, whether it's carved images, whether it's our TVs, our job, our own intelligence, or our own goodness, or our husband or wife, our kids, whatever. Whatever we're finding safety and security and satisfaction in, whatever we are willing to sin to keep or will sin if we lose, you know, whatever we look to to bring us comfort apart from God, we know that that's an idol And we know that it's dangerous for our spiritual lives. And so oftentimes when pastors or teachers, or even when I on my blog or my podcast, when we talk about idols, we often have this focus of, well, you need to flee idols because they take your focus off God. You know, in that moment, you're not trusting, you're not resting in God. And that's very true. 
But I've also noticed that idolatry has kind of a weird and sneaky way from keeping us from surrendering to Christ fully that I don't think we often realize immediately. And that's because instead of an idol being bad immediately, I've realized that our idols have actually conditioned us to not trust Christ fully. And I just want to kind of briefly share with you what I mean by that. And hopefully at the end of this, you'll be encouraged and challenged to look at your own spiritual walk with Christ, you know, and and maybe look at those frustrations you've had and say, you know, why am I not following Christ? Why do I struggle? Why can't I fully rest? And I hope that maybe this can bring some illumination to why that is so that at the end of the day, you can trust him more. You can get past the damage that idols have done in your life so that you can just love Jesus Christ more fully and trust him and surrender to him fully because you know that he deserves it and that he won't let you down. So I want to share kind of a a real world example to help understand the point that I want to make. So years ago, there was a famous scientist named Ivan Pavlov, and you may have heard of the term Pavlov's dog, and that's what I want to talk about. Now, what this guy did is he was a scientist, and he wanted to see if he could train dogs to drool. And so what he did is he would, he had a dog, and he would ring a bell and then give that dog food. And that over time, that dog started realizing that when I hear the bell, food is coming. And so then as that started to sink into his mind, this dog was to the point where the scientist could ring a bell and the dog would start drooling or salivating without seeing or smelling food. So what happened is that he managed to to train, to condition a dog to drool basically on command because over time the dog started noticing a pattern. The dog would hear the bell, the dog would get his food, and the dog could eat. And so over time, the dog started just jumping straight to, I hear a bell, it's now time to eat. I need to be hungry. I need to start drooling and preparing to put food in my body. Now, that's an interesting experiment, but what does it have to do with idolatry? I'm going to say everything. I want to say that idols have conditioned us to actually doubt Jesus Christ, to doubt the importance or the safety and fully trusting in him. I think that idols have actually conditioned us in such a way that we don't even realize that we are hearing a bell and drooling and and not understanding why. And so I just want to kind of briefly break this down and again, hopefully just bring more than anything else, just encouragement in your own walk with Christ. So, you know, Ephesians 4.14 warns us about allowing our minds to be altered or affected by things of the world and where we get our truth from. So it says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So, you know, a lot of times when we talk about that verse, it's about how we let others affect our worldview, how we let truth affect us. But, you know, practically speaking, what this is really getting down to is that what you believe about God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, how you rely on God's word for truth, that's going to affect everything else that we believe about life. And so, you know, often we don't realize that everything around us is conditioning our own beliefs, how we view truth. You know, we want to believe that, oh, we know all the truth and nothing could affect us, but really there is so much in our world that is impacting what we believe that we don't realize our minds 
are very often, as this verse says, being tossed here and there. You know, even if we are, you know, very mature, spiritually speaking, and, and God has granted us with great wisdom. You know, we even saw that, you know, Solomon, the, the wisest man possibly in all of history, even he fell into a very bad and dangerous worldview where he pursued idolatry in a way that none of us could. You know, if you go read the book of Ecclesiastes, that book is all about, here's why idols aren't satisfying. Here's why they're pointless. You know, this was a guy that had the time and the money and the power to pursue every desire he could imagine. And at the end of the day, he realized it was all for nothing. You know, and he concludes the book of Ecclesiastes with fear God and keep his commandments, for that's the whole duty of us as human beings. That's what we are called to do. And so it's important as people with a sin nature who want to be slaves to righteousness to really just consider why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe. And so I want us to just briefly consider, in a broad sense, what idolatry regularly looks like in our life. And you can apply this to really anything in your life. So idolatry is kind of a four-step process that just constantly repeats itself. So the first thing we do is we find something that we think will satisfy us. Let's, let's use a new car or a new TV, you know, some new object to keep it simple. So we find some new thing that we think is going to satisfy us. You know, we get the car that we've always dreamed of or the TV that we think, oh, finally I'm going to be able to enjoy it. And we do enjoy it for a while, for weeks, for months, for years. That thing that we spent our money on that we've always dreamed of, we like it. We enjoy it. It brings us some satisfaction. But then over time, it starts to fail us. It starts to break down. The, the new shine on it starts to fade. We're not as excited about it as we once were. We may still enjoy it. We may still get excited about it. And depending on what it is, you know, something like a really nice car can still make us feel proud and important. But ultimately, that feeling we had for it fades. It's not as exciting or important in our lives anymore. It just becomes humdrum and regular monotonous. What it promised us, you know, that that final feeling that we would have, of, oh, finally, I have it. I can now be happy. That fades. And so what do we do? We find a new thing to satisfy us, to fill that hole that we feel, you know, and so let's take it beyond just objects. You know, think about the divorce rate in America. You know, why do people, quote unquote, fall out of love? You know, you find a person and you think, oh, this is who's going to make me happy. Everything I've ever wanted is wrapped up in this person. They are beautiful. They're fun. They're smart. They're, you know, handsome, whatever. This is who's going to bring me satisfaction. And for a while, you know, you've got the the puppy dog feels and you got, you know, the, the butterflies in your stomach. But over time, you start to see the, the little issues in this human being who is a sinner just as much as we are. And those things that we were once excited about, we either get used to. Those things that we used to ignore, we can no longer ignore. And they don't serve us in the way that we wanted them to. They, we treated them as an idol. We treated them as something that was meant to save us from loneliness or unhappiness or you know, to fill all of our sexual desires, you know, however we're thinking about that other person in the relationship, they were meant to be everything to us, but they don't, they fail us. And so why do people get divorced for the same reason that they get married? They want happiness. They want that other person to fill their happiness. And when they don't, they want to move on to the next thing because their idol has failed them. And so it's time to go find a new one. It's time to drop that thing that no longer satisfies. You know, and again, you can apply that to anything. 
you know, the dream job, finally having kids, having validation and popularity from other people, whatever it is, all those things that we think are going to make us happy, all those things where if we say, you know, if I just had this, if, if my life just looked this way, then I would be happy. It never is. No matter how good of a thing we acquire, it's never enough to fully satisfy us. That feeling that we first had when we got it is about the best that it's going to be. You know, the excitement of getting, you know, a new phone or whatever, we're not really going to be much happier than the moment we first got it. After that, everything is downhill. You know, it's not going to rise, or if it rises, it's not going to stay rising. It's not going to get better. Our enjoyment of our idols only gets worse, and that's why we move on to the next thing. And that's why, again, so many of us found ourselves just tired of it, tired of trying to be good, to find happiness in stuff, to find power or success or whatever. We find ourselves at the foot of the cross because everything else has failed us, and we're tired of trying. We're tired of seeking our own way to satisfaction and finding our purpose. And now, you know, back to this whole dog situation, you think about that. We spend all of our lives, before Christ and after Christ, we spend all of our lives doing that. We find a thing, it makes us happy for a time, but then we start to lose satisfaction, we start to see it break down, we feel that it starts to fail us, and so then we need to go find another thing, right? That, that's the cycle of idolatry in our lives. And just like that dog, we, I believe, have been trained and conditioned to think about everything in life that brings us satisfaction in that way, including our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by that, I mean Christ brings us ultimate satisfaction. He brings us happiness. He brings us joy. He, he gives us that feeling that, yes, this is what it's all about. But in the back of our minds, we know we've had that feeling before. We have found the thing that's meant to satisfy us, that's going to bring us ultimate pleasure, that's not going to fail us. And so before Christ has an opportunity to fail us, we assume he's going to because everything that brings us happiness eventually fails us. Our spouse, our kids, our job, our you know new electronics, whatever— Everything that we have put our trust in and our hope in and that we've trusted to satisfy us lets us down. And so because of that, we are terrified of fully committing to Jesus Christ, of fully resting in him, because we know that, you know, we can we can give 90 percent of our trust and reliance. We can find a good chunk of our satisfaction in him. But we've always got to keep something else on the side. We've always got to have our hand on that that ripcord ready to pull the parachute because to fall too far into trusting Christ would mean that if we're wrong, we lose everything that we will crash and burn and never recover because to fully trust Christ means to rely fully on him for everything, for how we think about our spouse and our kids and our job and our purpose in life, for where we move, for the decisions we make about everything in our life. If we are fully trusting in Christ, if we are fully relying on him and letting him be our master as we are his servants, if he is who we are fully trusting and not just trusting ourselves, not just looking around and saying, well, what does the world also say will make me happy or bring me satisfaction? If we're not doing that, then when Christ fails, when he lets us down as we fear he might, then we stand to lose everything. But if we treat him maybe a little better than we treat idols, in other words, you know, we you know, just like with the idols, you know, we put a lot of our trust 
in them to satisfy us? Well, we'll put more trust in Christ. We will enjoy these idols for a while. Well, we'll enjoy Christ even more because Christ is our ultimate satisfaction. But just like that dog would hear the bell and start to drool, we feel the trust and the satisfaction and the contentment and the joy in Christ. And immediately we're looking around for the next thing that we're going to need to satisfy us. So we don't stop and rest. We start to trust Christ, but then we keep moving. You know, so so we've been trained by kind of the world system, by our life experiences, by our own sin nature and our love of idols, that Christ is just going to be like everything else. We can't fully trust him. We can't fully rest in him. We can't give up everything about our lives for him because well, what if it's not enough? What if we're not satisfied? What if eventually we cool on him just like we've cooled on everything else that we trusted? And so we are allowing our conditioning to determine our walk with Christ. And if that sounds right, if that makes sense to you, you know, the big thing that I want to point out is that God's word says something totally different. If we fully trust that God is good and that he is perfect and that he would not lead us astray, then if he is telling us to trust him, to trust Jesus Christ, and that by trusting him, we're not going to be disappointed, we can trust that. We can believe that. We can lean fully into that. We can take our hands off that ripcord and not need a parachute of idols to protect us for when we get bored or get tired of Christ. You know, one place I want us to see that is in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So just like Israel, we worship a God who is with us. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to walk away from us. No matter how broken we are, no matter how much we love idols, God's not leaving us. But at the same time, we, can, we don't just bank on, oh, well, I can do whatever I want. We also need to rest in the other thing that we know about God, which is that he won't fail us. And that's not to say that he's not going to fail to make us happy, right? Because happiness is an emotion, but he won't fail to be all that we need in this life, even if following God leads us to the grave. You know, even if that trust in Christ puts us in heaven 20 years sooner than it would have otherwise. You know, we can trust that it's not a failure on God. That's actually the best thing for us. You know, we can see this also in Psalm 1611. It says, you will make known to me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. You know, can we really say that about God? Is that really how we think of Jesus Christ? That in his presence isn't just joy, right? It's not just a good thing because there's, there's joy in the presence of a new TV or a good friend or a successful job. But here it says, no, that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. It's complete. It's not lacking anything. Is that really how we pursue Jesus Christ. I'm not sure any of us do. I don't know that any of us have that amount of trust. But when we recognize that we aren't seeing Christ as our complete joy, as being the fullness of it, when we realize that that's not how we're seeing him, we can start getting back on that path where we can enjoy him even more, that we can put more trust in him. You know, and just like that Psalm says, you know, in his right hand, there are pleasures forever not just pleasures for a time, not just up front. It's not just about emotional pleasures or getting that, that burst of dopamine and having that high emotion of, 
you know, finally I've got a new thing. It's neat and exciting. You know, a life spent following Christ and pursuing him brings endless joy and endless pleasure because he is all we need. He is who we were designed to worship and pursue. And so when we do that, when we're walking in line with why we were designed, we're going to find a satisfaction that goes beyond what other people can understand because we can suffer and still have joy. We can lose our jobs and still find ultimate pleasure in Jesus Christ because we aren't relying on money or health or relationships to satisfy us. We can have them or we can not have them. They can come or they can go. And, you know, if we are walking perfectly in line with Christ, it's not going to phase us because those things aren't where we find satisfaction. And the less we let those things affect us, the less we focus on them, we're going to realize that that's because we are focusing more on Christ. And we're not going to do it perfectly. There's going to come things in our lives that are going to be idols, and we may not realize they're idols until we've lost them. But like I said, the more that we focus on Christ, the less everything else in the world shines and attracts our attention because we see more fully the joy and satisfaction that he brings us. You know, and in the end, you know, this whole conditioning thing, this whole struggle we have with idolatry, it's really not conquered by us being better people. It's really conquered by us just recognizing that Christ is worth it, that he can't fail us. You know, the famous proverb, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Really think about that in light of what we've just discussed. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not most of it. Don't lean on your own understanding. You know, a lot of times we think about that just in terms of our, like our active mental reasoning, but no, our understanding is our worldview. The things that we think are true about the world because we've been conditioned to believe that or we've allowed ourselves to think a certain way. You know, here God is reminding us, don't, you know, in terms of our idols, don't rely on your conditioning of thinking that because everything that's brought you satisfaction is going to fail you, that suddenly I'm going to fail you. Because where God is separate from everything else is that, you know, family, objects, money, health, those are all good things. Right? They are good gifts from God, but they aren't the ultimate. You know, God is the one who gives us those gifts, but we want to turn around and worship the gift instead of the giver. And so these gifts, of course, they're going to fail us because while they are good, they're not perfect. But God also gave us Christ, and Christ being God is so much different from any other good blessing we have in our lives because Good gifts are meant to point us to God, to, to cause us to cry out in joy and worship for the good things he's given us. Whereas Christ is the one we're actually meant to worship and meant to love and meant to find all of our trust in. And so, you know, the last thought I want to leave you with is just a reminder we have from Romans. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So in the Christian life, and we see this in Romans 6, verses 15 through 23 as well, we see that in the Christian life, we have two different ways that we can go. We have two masters we can serve. You know, in Romans 6, it talks about how we are either slaves to righteousness or we are slaves to sin. Now, before Christ, all we could do would be slaves to sin. We could not choose any form of good. All we could do would be to follow our sin nature, to follow the pattern of the world. 
to to let our minds be formed by the broken worldviews around us. You know, that's what Romans 12, 2 is talking about. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let yourself, your mind, your worldview, your understanding of truth, don't let that be molded by the things of the world. Don't let your mind be Plato that just gets twisted according to whatever beliefs are out there right now. You know, don't let your history of idolatry tell you what truth is. And instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, this transformation isn't something we do, just like being conformed to the world, you know, obeying sin. It's not something that we do. It's something that we allow to have done to us, you know, because the language here, it's passive. It's be conformed or be transformed. It's not saying don't conform yourself, or but you need to transform yourself. It's, it's talking about don't let this thing be done to you. Don't let the world, don't let your idolatry, don't let your sin nature dictate how you view truth. Instead, let your mind be transformed by the Holy Spirit given to us on the day of salvation. You know, let our minds be renewed, refreshed, not just changed, not just improved, but literally turned into something completely different and completely alien to this world. Because anyone can think better thoughts. Anyone can, you know, let go of being controlled by relationships and money and things like that. But that's not a mind that's transformed. It's just that same worldly mind that just looks slightly different. But it's only through the saving power of Jesus Christ that our minds are completely changed, that we can become slaves to righteousness, that we can stop following the patterns of the world and finding satisfaction in idols and and worshiping gifts. And instead, when we see the truth, when we realize what we've done, and maybe even today, you know, if you realize that you haven't been trusting Christ because you fear he's going to let you down, because you worry that if you, you know, spend years of your life turning down, you know, partying and buying stuff and doing whatever, you know, if you're listening to that now and, and fearing that, you know, if you give those things up for Christ, you're going to regret it later. That's letting your mind be conformed by the world, by your pattern of idolatry that you've followed all your life. Instead today, you know, repent, pray, realize the truth of, of what you've been doing so that you can then allow God to transform your mind so that you can stop fighting him, so you can stop fighting and kicking against and refusing the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, because that is something that we all need. You know, we're never going to attain this level of perfection to where this idea of idolatry just suddenly fades on this side of heaven. But the more we realize its impact in our lives, the more that we see that how all these idols are weighing us down and slowing down our walk with Christ— the faster we can shake them off, the faster we can repent and turn back to Christ and stop being a friend of the world and instead be a friend to God. You know, because James 4.4 4 talks about, you know, if you are friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. And that's what we do when we allow idolatry to control us, to dictate us, to dominate how we think about Christ. We are thinking like the world does. We are constantly waiting for something to fail. So instead of letting our minds be formed one way, let them be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can trust our good God when he says that Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, isn't going to fail us, that we can trust that, that we can lean fully into it. 
And when idolatry does come creeping, whenever we do struggle with our sin nature leading us to temptation, drawing us away from the cross, we can recognize it more quickly, we can repent of it more fully, and we can return to the ultimate gift giver, the ultimate good, the ultimate satisfaction in our lives. And we can agree with the psalm that says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Idolatry doesn't let us believe that. Idolatry doesn't let us rest in that. So consider that today. That's that's the big message I want to get across in this episode is just consider your walk with Christ and why you have the struggle and try to identify if idolatry has conditioned you to where when you hear that bell of satisfaction, your mind immediately starts worrying about when it's going to end, when it's going to fail, when, when this joy and satisfaction is going to wear off. You know, I think in one degree or another, we're all going to be there. We're all going to find ourselves there. But I hope that this episode has done nothing more than just point you to the truths of God's word and the reality of who Jesus Christ is in our life. So I hope it's been useful and encouraging and, of course, challenging If you appreciate the ministry of Onward in the Faith, of the blog that I write, of the podcast episodes that I'm creating, if what I'm doing here has been a blessing in your walk with Christ, I, of course, hope that you will share it with other people, help them to be encouraged in their own walk. And I also hope that you will prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. I do have a Patreon page that is linked in the show notes. Basically, you can pledge as little as $1 a month, and it helps to kind of keep the lights on, as well as help me um, eventually replace my income so that I can focus more fully on writing and on recording and hopefully being an encouragement to other Christians around the world like you. As always, any scripture used in this episode is going to be down in the show notes as well, as well as any other um, topics that I've mentioned or, or articles or things like that. And so now as you go out and try to identify idols in your life and repent of them and turn back to your Savior, I hope that this episode will just encourage you to keep moving onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ.